Welcome to On the Wet Coast, a podcast about sexuality and ethical non-monogamy of every variety. We talk polyamory and swinging, monogamish and open relationships, from dirty, dirty sex to heartbreak. We share our personal experiences and philosophy, observations and theories, what works for us, and where we fucked it right up. Join us on the Wet Coast. It's always a bummer when dates don't go as planned or don't happen at all. There can be all kinds of reasons why things don't turn out as you'd hoped, from unrealistic expectations, lack of connection, poor communication, uncooperative bodies, life circumstances, or just plain not being in the mood. Bouncing back from a disappointing date is an important skill in non-monogamous dating. More dates definitely makes for more opportunities for disappointment, so we need to get comfortable learning from these experiences and figuring out how to have things go better the next time. I'm Kat Stark, and on this episode of On the Wet Coast, Flick Morrison and I will be discussing disappointing dates. We'll share some of our own experiences and what we did to get back into the swing of things after some less-than-ideal experiences. Before we get started, we've got a five-star listener review from iTunes. Hey, nice. So, listener Rowdy1 writes, Cat and Flick are super friendly and warm-sounding on their podcast. After a year of listening, I just thought we must be friends now. So, that sounds like a five-star review of us. <laughs> so, like... Well, we are pretty awesome. <laughs> we are five-star. <laughs> Cat and Flick, five-star. Podcast, one out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Rowdy One, for giving us that awesome review and uh, accepting some uh, some mockery <laughs> as part of it, which, you know, you do to your friends. Yes, we must be friends now. We are friends now. So thank you. So we're talking about disappointing dates. Are, are you talking about, um, you know, sexy dates or dates out in the world mainly? Kind of all of the above. Uh-huh. Um you know, I've definitely was, was thinking about, yeah, you know, sometimes it's dates that you're just, you're just meeting someone. Some, sometimes it is like, you know, a, a multiple that you've had a few dates together. And sometimes it is a sexy date you've had with, with someone you, you know, have an ongoing connection with. So, you know, there's lots of times that things, you know, aren't going to go as planned. Um, one of the first ways that this happens is there's just not the connection that you'd hoped for. Yeah, sometimes you've met online and you've been chatting for a while, or uh, you, you met briefly and you've set up a date to you know see if there's a spark there. And sometimes it just really isn't. Yeah, that's it's interesting how you know sometimes you can really just like have this real spark and connection when you're chatting, uh, like over text and. That just isn't the case when you meet in person. Yeah, I, I think I think part of it is pheromones, and partly it's just you know the the persona that we have online is is its own thing. Like yeah. I, I remember um, you know years ago playing EverQuest with a, a you know a friend who lived upstairs from us, and online she was like super funny and super witty and stuff in a way that she never was in perp in person. You know, yeah. like we'd known her for years, and like she, she could be, she could be funny, but she's she's largely like you know kind of a a humorless fish. And so, um, so yeah, when uh, her online persona had a gregariousness that didn't translate into person, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes you, you have met before in person and you've, you know, maybe had a good date, you know, you maybe get along, are able to joke and have a lot of fun together. But then when you start making out, it's just not there. 
Yeah, I, I actually had an experience like this where, you know, and this is someone I had actually known for years and had had a bit of a crush on, you know, and and she was visiting the uh, visiting uh, Vancouver and we we decided that, you know, we we're going to get together and, and uh, you know, mess around a bit. And and yeah, it's it's like we just it just didn't click. You know, we were making out and, you know, and I, I just started feeling, you know, sort of more and more anxious as I realized, oh, my God, there's just not really any sexual attraction there at all. So, um, you know, so I just excused myself and took a deep breath and then came back and, and I, I, I said, you know, um, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. I don't really know what's, what's going on. And so, you know, we ended up, you know, just, uh, hang out and, and sort of cuddling in our underwear and chatting and stuff. And, um, but, but yeah, I mean, this, this, this was someone I'd had a crush on for years. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how that can happen. And, and as you said, it's just pheromones. It's, you know, how the other person spit tastes. Yeah. It's, you know, all the <laughs> stuff that we're just not always going to be the match that, that we'd hoped for. And, you know, and, and sometimes it's going to be situational, you know, yeah. we'll talk a bit about that more later, but, you know, often it just turns out that, that, that click isn't there. And I think that sometimes what can happen for non-monogamous people is we we really, really like somebody and we confuse liking somebody with being attracted to them. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I can see that happening because you just, you want to be in their presence and you just really have this connection with them. Yeah. But that's not necessarily the physical connection. Yeah. You know, um, you, you, you think, you think you have the hots for them when really you just, you know, want to go for cocktails and, and, uh, or brunch. Yeah. Or cocktails at brunch. Yeah. <laughs> Or sometimes, you know, people who like to cuddle, you know, that can sometimes also be a, a way that you can have that like connection of just like lounging around together as, as the two of you ended up doing, like kind of lounging around in your underwear chatting. And, you know, you can have that sort of like cuddle physical connection that doesn't necessarily have to be sexual. Yep. But I'm not one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to hang out in our, our underwear, but, you know, not real big on the cuddles. Another time that the connection isn't there is sometimes there's, you know, you have different rules for barriers. Um, you know, some person, you know, someone might have more or less um, rules. So they, you know, they want barriers for oral sex and that sort of thing. And if that's not something that you like or feel comfortable with, um, you know, it just might not work or vice versa. You know, you want a certain thing and they're like, no, I'm not going to lick you through saran wrap. And, um, <laughs> So it's like, okay, well, this, this just isn't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I, I feel like if there's, um, if there's a lot of real attraction, then you're probably going to figure out things that, that are going to work. I find, I, I think that things like barrier, um, barrier discrepancies are generally only a problem if you're kind of medium attraction and you're trying to kind of navigate it to see if you can kind of amp it up. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the barrier incompatibility is one of those things where it's like, oh, this is we it, it, we're just not really clicking. Whereas if you're really hot for somebody, it's like, okay, so I you know um, you you prefer barriered oral. I don't really like that. So well, let's just do hand stuff. Let's do, you know like you know you'll be so hot for somebody you'll find stuff to do. Mm -hmm. And I think at something like a play party where this is more likely to come up, it you know it's a good tell that if someone is is like completely unwilling to work with your barrier rules, 
like especially if you're you've got higher um you know you want more barriers than the other person um if they're just like no or they just keep or they agree and then they keep trying to negotiate it out of the oh, picture yeah. Yeah, yeah. um that it's just a really good sign that you know you should not be playing at all and close things down yeah i i think that that when people um when people encounter barrier use that they've never that you know they've never done before um, you know, they, they can sometimes have a weird reaction to it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I have heard stories of, of people, you know, trying to control the person and say, you know, oh, you know, it'll, it'll be better. And then I really want to taste you. And, and, and it's, it's like, um, you know, um, hopefully next time they'll, they'll know better and they'll respect the, the person's, uh, you know, uh, boundaries and, and, uh, you know, and barrier requirements because, um, you know, that's, that's, that's going to be a deal breaker. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and certainly for me, even if I was in a situation where, you know, I was observing somebody who was, you know, trying to, to nudge somebody's boundaries around barriers, that would put me off of that person, even if I wasn't involved. Oh, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, that is totally a a big red flag for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely sign you are not compatible for play. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, bodies just aren't cooperating. Mm. You know, you might have set something up, um, you know, weeks, possibly months in advance, and just you know, the bodies are just not on the same page as the brain <laughs> as yeah. far as uh, plans go. So we've definitely, you know, run into, and especially with non-monogamous populations, people are sick all the time. So all of the making out that everybody does, you know, and just living in this world, you know, everybody's got colds all the time, viruses. And so, you know, some people are happy to play in those situations or if someone's like almost getting over it or something like that because they're just like ah, i'm exposed to stuff anyway or it's like ah, um, oh, you know what this is worth a cold <laughs> yeah sometimes it's worth a cold worth a case of strep worth getting um, some, someone coughing in your mouth <laughs> throwback to our second threesome i think our second threesome. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um we're yes we all got very very sick um so that's sometimes yeah you will just kind of go through with it anyway i'm i tend to be very um resistant to you know any kind of play when someone's got a virus just because of my healthcare job um it's definitely a lot more difficult to do that job when I'm sick and have to wear a mask and do all that kind of thing. Whereas sometimes people who, you know, work at home or work in an office, you know, can get away with, you know, having a cold more easily. Um, so yeah, you can, you're going to go with your, your levels there, but, um, <laughs> but that's sometimes the time that, yeah, you've, you've made all these plans and then yeah, somebody's got a terrible virus and you have to make a decision. Um, you know, and, and, uh, for, for people with Biocox, um, sometimes it doesn't show up, you know, it, mm. it, everybody's invited, but you know, your, your heart on decides to stay home. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and for, for some people that is a huge setback and a huge disappointment. Um, I think that it can, it can really be beneficial to, you know, to kind of, kind of reframe that as, you know, um, this is not a requirement to us having, you know, a sexy time and us, yeah. you know, and, and, um, you know, and, and if you, if you put less pressure on, if you, if you make it okay for it to, to either be there or not, then that can, that can, um, that can make it easier for it to decide to show up later on in the evening once, once everything's gotten, 
you know, a little, yeah. Once the, the butterflies have kind of passed. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. Stress and, and, you know, excitement is a form of stress. So mm-hmm. that can definitely be a factor. And I think the more that we are able to reframe sex as everything that happens, as opposed to everything is foreplay until the penis goes in an orifice yeah. <laughs> um, or in an orifice below the belt. Uh, it's, you know, that tends to be this, this thing that we're like, that's when the sex happens. And the more we can reframe like hand stuff and oral and, and all of the things that, you know, have been traditionally called foreplay, you know, as sex, the more that, you know, things like erections not showing up can just be, yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, that's a thing. Like, what other stuff can we do? And everyone can still have a really good time. Yeah, I I want to call back to Marsha Baczynski again and uh, and how we should look at things as we're going to, we're going to try this rather than we're going to do this. And, you know, and so, you know, that can take a lot of the, a lot of the pressure off of a specific sex act. It's like, okay, let's, let's get together. Let's, you know, let's try some things rather than, you know, seeing that as, as the objective. Yeah. You know, and sometimes erections do show up and then leave again. Yeah, exactly. And being able to, to learn not to take that personally, you know, it's not that someone is there with you, get, they get an erection and then, you know, decide, eh, not that into you and it goes away. Like that's not usually the way it works. There's just so many other biological processes in play that, you know, learning to just be like, all right, well, you know, that went away. Now we're, what are we going to try kind of thing um, with it? Because it can be really hard. And as the owner of the biocock, being able to roll with it too and not going and having a sulk fest yeah. about it is important. You know, it's a skill to to learn um, because, yeah, you can, depending on how you react, everybody else in the room is going to be able to react, you know, one way or another about it. Now, it's not just cis men who who identify, uh, you know, PIV as as sort of the objective. Oh, absolutely. Sex. So it's, yeah. you know, I I, I do want to say that that this is something that that a lot of people need reframing. Yes, and, for um, sure. You know, and where uh, a sweetie of mine had uh, a a friend of hers was always asking, "Have you fucked yet? Have you fucked yet?" And so it's like, you know, you haven't really done anything until mm. until you fucked. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it can be the case, especially in sort of traditional swinger kind of situations where you're doing the swap and it's expected you're going to go bang the hell out of, you know, somebody's wife and that wife expects to have the hell banged out of her. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that can, you know, everybody in those situations needs to reframe it um, so that, you know getting the hell banged out of you with with a hand (laughs) it's amazing like um so yeah well there's a lot of hand can do that a a cock can't so yeah another way that that uh the bodies can interfere interfere is menstruation yes for sure and you know sometimes you you know that it's happening yes Um, (laughs) sometimes it's a surprise guest (laughs) sometimes it's a surprise guest Um, you know, and, and it can be worked around, you know, in a lot of ways, it depends on you on your level of squeamishness. So I'm over here laughing because there was a threesome situation where, uh, where Kat was, was going down on, on Iris and I was, I was fucking Kat from behind and, and Kat leaned back for a kiss 
and their mouth was just covered in blood, like just just like a like a werewolf's muzzle. <laughs> <laughs> that that is very vivid. Um, you know, and honestly, I had no idea that it was happening. There was no visible blood, you know, when I when I went to work. Um, and yeah, it, like, and people taste different on different days. Yeah, so it's true. It's yeah. not. It's not like, you know, yeah, there was no, like, really obvious, like, oh, what is happening here kind of moment for me. And, yeah, there was a lot of laughing and a lot of, you know, yeah. having to go rinse my face. And, yeah, when I, when I got to the mirror, it was, <laughs> it was quite a massage that I had. Um, but, yeah, washed my face, rinsed my mouth, got some saran wrap, went back to it. <laughs> um, and that's when, that's when the oral barriers can be an amazing option. Yeah, yeah. If if you if you aren't fluid bonded and you you still want to to go ahead with um with uh, with oral sex while someone's menstruating, then yeah, a barrier can be great to sort that out. Yeah, and you know, it's also like if if either party or parties um you know don't want to play in this circumstance, you know, it's a legitimate time to just decide to do something else. Um, but it is sometimes a thing that, uh, you know, can be worked around if that's what you want to do. Sometimes penetration just isn't working. Right. So, you know, everybody's bodies might be like, yeah, let's do this. But, you know, for whatever is going on for the, you know, the receiving person for the penetration, their body just doesn't really want to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, and you know, yeah, this is this is another situation where just reframing what sex is and thinking about everything that you can do and and that you know, we're the objective is is to try not to not to do. Yeah. And the objective is is pleasure yeah. as well. Like, you know, we, we get in our heads that the acts are the things that we want, but in fact the, the pleasure that goes along with this is what we're really aiming for. And so focusing on just, you know, receiving pleasure and giving pleasure can help us feel a bit less freaked out about like, hey, I didn't do this thing. Now, something that that can often get in the way is um, is emotions. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, and one of the ways this comes up is is just, uh, you know, somebody might might have had a bad day and or something that actually comes up during the date reminds them of something. Mm. Um, but also sometimes you'll, you just start talking like, you know, before getting yeah. sexy, you just start talking and, you know, and that, that conversation gets emotional and it kind of ends up sort of putting a damper on the sexy vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Things can definitely take a turn um, kind of unexpectedly in that and figuring out sort of how to come back from it. Or, like, are you going to move forward? Are you not going to move forward? Because, um, yeah, sometimes the person is like, oh, no, no, let's let's move. You know, the emotional person, you know, wants to move forward because it's like, oh, hey, like, we had all this planned. Let's keep going. Um, and it doesn't always work. <laughs> well, and, like, uh, this, this might come up in group sex where yeah. one person is, you know, um, is suddenly having a really hard time and they want everybody else to keep going without them. And it's like, um, actually, no, we can't really go on worrying about what's going on with you. So, yeah. you know, let's, let's deal with this, you know, and, and really, 
um, to me, the, the people are more important than the sex. So it's, it's way more important to me to, to, for that person to feel, uh, you know, cared for and, mm-hmm. you know, and taken care of than than to, for the rest of us to get our rocks off. Yeah. And particularly for, for people who are anxious and that sort of thing, it's really hard to, to feel like you're allowed to interrupt things. Like, yeah, and you know, and it's like, oh, there's, you know, I'm just being an inconvenience, and you, you know, you start with all that sort of, you know, brain cycling that you're already emotional, and then there's all the the sort of guilt and and fear that goes on with that because it's like, oh, I'm having these feelings, and if I'm if I need to talk about all this stuff, um, like people aren't going to like me because I've wrecked the night, and like, you know, you end up with with a lot of complications. So, Oh yeah. It can definitely make it worse knowing that the other people are going to want to know what the hell's going on. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, Oh, if I suck this up, then maybe I won't need to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you know, in the, the other situation that I was talking about, which is, you know, sort of beforehand, the conversation kind of, you know, um, puts a damper on things. I think that a lot of the time people will just, assume that it's off because things have kind of turned into a bummer. But, you know, um, but I think that, that sometimes it can be worth checking in and say, you know, Hey, um, I know this has kind of turned a little bit sad. Do we, you know, do we still want to do stuff Do maybe just want to like, you know, um, you know, make out and cuddle up, you know, like, like maybe there's other stuff that we can do to, um, you know, to kind of bond and, or, you know, maybe we can just make out and jerk off together, you know, to like do something very low key. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, the person who kind of started the sad doesn't feel like they've fucked everything up. Yeah. Yeah. And always, you know, just checking in is, is the big part in so many of these things is, you know, actually talking about it and, and being, being as open as you can be to hearing what, is going on for the other person. And sometimes you're just, you're just not in the mood. <laughs> like really? Um, and it, you know, it can be for so many different reasons. You know, we, you know, just after having a bad day or just like, just our bodies, our libidos are, are really up and down. And sometimes you've planned something, you know, again, like weeks, days, months in advance and you get to it and you're just kind of you're like, Oh Yeah sex (laughs) or or even just like you know if it's not a sexy date but uh you know you're going out for dinner or you're you know you've got this thing and you just you just would much rather be alone that night or something like that it can really can be difficult to express that and it can be really difficult to hear someone be like yeah i just want to wash my hair um I I also think that uh, that those of us who suffer from anxiety and or depression can misinterpret anxiety and excitement stress as, um, you know, as as real stress as, you know, you know what I mean? Like because the some of the physical sensations are the same. Um, it can it can make us feel, oh, I'm I'm not up for this. I'm just not feeling it. When in reality, that there's there's just some some wires that get crossed because you know because the uh, you know the excitement and uncertainty of something something new um, you know combined with you know being tired or whatever um, mm-hmm. can can make us think that that we don't want to do something. So I think sometimes there's a lot of value in uh, in actually 
separating what our body is doing from what our mind is doing and say, okay, my body's feeling this. What do I actually want to do? What am I thinking about? Is this, mm-hmm. you know, am I, am I actually excited about this? Yeah, for sure. Cause you know, your body, like, it's not like there's different chemicals for like happy excitement versus, you know, scared excitement, anxious excitement. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's all the same chemicals and your, you know, your brain has to interpret it. And depending on what's going on, it's going to interpret it different ways. And it's not always the accurate way as someone who very often wants to run away before almost any date, um, <laughs> you know, that I like, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited and pumped. And then I'm just like, I could just leave. Maybe I'll just leave. No one would know if I just left, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, I, yeah, I have that moment. So for sure, you're not always uh, reading things accurately and, and learning how to maybe as you, as you mentioned, asking for, you know, another option, like, Hey, let's just, you know, like, let's jerk off together. Let's make out. It doesn't need to be a big production. Yes. And particularly when you plan in advance, often it's expected to be like Olympic sex. Yeah. You you're 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 um you're planning to have like rock star sex and um you know and that that can put a lot of extra pressure on yourself. Yeah, and I've definitely had dates where that's you know what I've been feeling and so you know I've talked about it in advance and and yeah, we've just like you just changed up how the evening's going to go and, and have ended up having, you know, a really great time and felt, felt really good about the connection that we had. Um, it just was different than what we had been kind of planning for, you know, and sometimes you might've actually, you know, had a disagreement or a fight with your partner and especially in group sex situations, like you've got a threesome or a foursome happening and, you know, two of you have something kind of going on under the surface <laughs> um, and like, you know, sort of figuring out how to navigate your way around that sort of tricky situation and whether it's like trying to be like, OK, we're just we're just going to put a pin in this, you know, until later. We're just, you know, we're all just going to be like in the moment and, and have this experience together and we'll continue to, you know to deal with this situation later or whether you end up, you know, just needing to, to cancel, you know, the, the other people, you know, maybe coming over that you're meeting up with, cause you just, you know, are not going to be able to kind of shut that down um, depending on the severity. Yeah. And, and some people have, have trouble kind of putting that thing on hold, right? Like yeah. it, it's like, okay, we, we have to have this out until, until it's done. And you definitely don't, you know, want to go forward with, sort of ongoing hostility because other people can read that shit. Like we often think like, Oh no, you know, no one's going to know that I'm kind of seething at this person um, across the room or whatever. Um, But you know, they can, they can can see you seething. Yes. (laughs) Is that what seething sounds like? Probably. (laughs) At first, An open marriage seems like the greatest thing in the world to Natalie and Sean. Adding a bunch of new, hot people to their already excellent sex life? What could be better? Then they meet Beth, a queer single mom with a lesbian partner, and things become complicated. After some fun dating as a threesome, Beth and Sean fall in love, and Natalie feels pushed to the side by both her former lover and her husband. As Sean and Beth begin celebrating new milestones and plan their first trip together as a couple, Natalie is thrown for a loop and longs for a time that being open felt sexy and fun. Natalie starts seeking that fun for herself and, 
after many naughty adventures and a few false starts, finds her own unexpected love. Join Natalie, Sean, and Beth in a funny, sexy, surprising story as they navigate the challenges of deciding that when it comes to the amount of love in their lives, they choose more. Get Cat Stark's new novel, Waking Up Polyamorous, in ebook or paperback at your favorite online retailer. Hey there, this is Bradford. And this is Angela. And we are the Atoms of Love. We're the hosts of By the By, a raw and honest weekly podcast weaving bisexuality with swinging, kink, polyamory, and marriage into a happy and healthy relationship. We discuss topics such as jealousy, communication, and oh yes, adventurous sex. And occasionally, a beatboxing Yoda. It, it's worse than what you're imagining. It is. <laughs> For us, nothing is off limits as we subscribe to the Try Everything Twice philosophy. And we are always excited to share our experiences and advice with our listeners. So swing on by swingset.fm or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcasts. Group sex uh, can can be complicated in terms of um, things maybe not clicking, somebody feeling uh, somebody feeling left out. Uh, you know, because there's there's more people, that means there's sort of more um, more points of points of failure in terms of you know an engineering structure. Mm-hmm. So um, and and it's funny because some of the things that can keep group sex from from gelling are you know are kind of positive things like you kind of have fun together and so you you kind of end up sort of diffusing a lot of the sexy a lot of the sexy tension with like jokes and stuff Mm. or you know it's like you you start getting sexy and then you you know and then you start chatting and you know and uh I you know I remember there's there's a couple that um, that we played with many times where you know um, it's it's definitely a, sort of the, a bit of a um, bit of a tide coming in and out in terms of the you know the sexually sexy uh, sexy energy and then you know kind of stopping to just kind of banter and swap jokes and stuff mm-hmm. and um, you know and so sometimes the sometimes the sexy ball never really gets rolling that fast yeah. And, and yeah, when, you know, we've definitely had circumstances where we kind of almost talk too long and Mm -hmm. then it's like, oh, geez, it's getting really late. Like, are we going to do this or what? Um, kind of situations. And, and And then you do, and then you're really tired. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So yeah, it can be a little bit of a drawback sometimes if you're just like getting along so well. And, and especially with like, with new people that you're just like, oh, I just want to talk to you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder. If, I wonder if it'd be worth like just setting an alarm, right? Like yeah. when people come over, just set an alarm on your phone. Maybe you know, twenty five minutes. You know, and when that alarm gets off, you're like, oh, okay, it's time to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can do that with people you know, but with people you don't, it could be uh, a little awkward. <laughs> I mean, you got to you got to break the ice somehow. Oh yeah. Well, you're talking to the person who tends to just take off their clothes. So. <laughs> you know all right folks let's get this moving and and another situation with the group sex is that you know maybe not everyone's connecting yep um especially you know in a in a three or more situation that you know you you might have gone into it thinking like oh yeah this is so awesome and again that you know that the spit swap or the pheromones or you know just the body energy or something like that um might 
might come along and there's just not that that real zing, that real connection between, you know, one or more of the people. And it, yeah, it makes it sort of hard for, for things to to go really well. Yeah. And I think I think it um it can be a, a useful skill to cultivate, you know, what you do when you feel like, you know, you're not super duper into it, but you want to be there for the people mm. because you do like these people, right? Yeah. Um and it's it's like, you know what, you know, maybe just let's just all point in this direction and yeah. you know and i i think that uh you know i've i think i've done it and i've seen other people do it where you know you you can really just kind of deflect the energy in a different direction yeah. you know and it's like you know okay i'm i'm just gonna keep my underwear on for now yeah um and you know um if someone asks you if you you know would you like blank and you're like uh no um i don't think so but uh would you like you know this other thing counter offer right yeah. so i think that um for me, um, I can usually find some way to participate and give, even if, you know, I'm not really feeling all that sexually activated. Yeah. And especially, for, you know, for those of us who like providing pleasure for other people like yeah. that, like I get a lot of pleasure out of pleasuring others. So even if I was in a situation where I wasn't, you know, entirely into the people that were involved, um, or even just like feeling it myself, like just personal mood wise, I can get a lot of pleasure out of giving to others and have definitely had dates where I've just been like, you know, this, I'm just not feeling sexy myself, but like, let's do stuff to this other person. Yes. And especially when you can do that sort of, you know, really fun gang up on one of the people, <laughs> um, it can be, you know, you can end up having a really great time. That's one of the great things about group sex is that it can be easier to participate if you're not feeling up for yes, much. Yeah, when it's just one on one. Yeah, it's like harder. it's like oh well, yeah. When but but when there's there's other people, you can you know you can sort of be like a facilitator and a, like a, a a pitch hitter or something. <laughs> I don't know baseball. But <laughs> it's like you can be the lube person, or yeah. the, you yeah. know, <laughs> fetching water. But yeah. And there can be times where someone just crosses a boundary. Right. And that can really, you know, sometimes it will just shut the entire date down. Other times it will, it will just really derail it. Um, but yeah, when you've, when you've had a bunch of, of energy, you know, directed toward this, this event and then, yeah, the person that you're with, you know, you've perhaps said, you know, in a personal example that butt stuff isn't your thing. And then they've like really sort of made a big deal about, you know, how much they want to do it or, you know, they've ended up like sort of jerking off like against your butt kind of thing. And, and it's like, well, I, you know, I wasn't trying to fuck you. I was just doing this thing, you know, and it's just like, um, yeah, no, that didn't feel good. And, um, and it can be really hard to fully shut things down, especially for those of us who were socialized as girls, as women, um, that actually like stepping up and using your words and and not necessarily like I tend to go into a freeze response in that kind of moment and it can take me quite a while to come out of it to then take some action or say some words and get out of the situation um but it can be particularly difficult for uh us to really express ourselves and be like hey that's not cool um I don't want this to be happening anymore I I find that um you know, and, and I, th I think that, um, that other people, um, you know, assigned male can, can, uh, can appreciate the, the feeling of having a hard time asserting boundaries because of the expectation mm. that, 
that um, you're you're just down to fuck that you're you know you're um, always going to be ready. You're always going to be ready. You know, you're you're that you don't really have boundaries. You're you know you're you're up for anything with anyone, right? Mm-hmm. And um and and for me, I I you know and and because of because of you know uh, specific abuses in my past, I I I find um you know I find a hard time finding a voice sometimes yeah. when when there when uh, some some boundaries have been crossed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it can be a really difficult thing, and it can be a safety issue. You gotta, yes, you've got to do some some assessing in the moment as to the safety of really expressing yourself. And that really sucks that it's something that we often are have to calculate into, you know, how much we use our words. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yay. <laughs> isn't our isn't our podcast fun? <laughs> People aren't always honest about their situation. Right. So this can definitely come up, you know, in the case I was I was listening to another podcast the other day and they were talking about how they'd sort of put out like a a booty call kind of hookup thing on uh, a swingers app. And the person that came over sort of based on the ad that they'd put out um, was not really at all like what they, you know, he'd described himself to be and what they had asked for in their, in their ad. And, you know, in that circumstance, they actually went ahead with it, which I found interesting. (laughs) <laughs> but also, like, I can see, like, you've, you've sort of gone through all these steps, you've gotten all ready, you're all excited, the person shows up, and, and there can be that sort of momentum, like, momentum entropy kind of thing that, that Momentropy. Um, that happens, that you're just kind of like, oh, well, you're here, so I guess. Um, yeah. And it's like, you are really short, or, you know, or, or whatever, like, whatever the, the, uh, the criteria was that, it's like, um, you, you actually... By showing up kind of misrepresented yourself. Yeah. You know, and not everybody, you know, dates people like this, but for those people who do, like it can be a really awkward situation. And and I think the the couple uh in the podcast is also Canadian, so um, <laughs> it can be very difficult for us to to get over that. Like, oh, I have to be polite. Yeah. Um yeah, it can be really hard to use your words and be like, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. And occasionally, you know, you'll you're going on a date and the profile picture isn't any like when you meet up in person, you know, their profile picture was clearly taken 15 years ago. Right. Um, or, you know, a situation where they just look, you know, significantly different than the picture you were expecting. And, you know, we're all as much as as it's important to, you know, get to know the whole person and, and accept people for much more than their facade. Like we're, we're visual creatures and initial attraction is often based on, you know, specific physical characteristics. And I sort of feel like someone, you know, misrepresenting themselves in a photo is, it's sort of like this mild bit of dishonesty that sort of indicates something that I would feel like they're maybe not entirely trustworthy. Yeah. yeah. But I can also see people being like, hey, like, if you actually get to know me, you're going to realize how awesome I am. But, you know, I happen to just be a little older than the average person in this situation. And, you know, they know that we're an ageist society who, <laughs> you know, decreases, you know, the expectation of sexual attractiveness, you know, as the decades go on. So it yeah it's a tricky it's a tricky business. Well, it's you know it's it, um it's a weird thing, right? Because 
eventually the person is going to meet you and they are going to have to look at your actual face and and so misrepresenting your your appearance um it it does seem really misguided but you know like you said they're they're obviously relying on the you know the idea of somebody you know getting interested in them so that it, maybe it doesn't matter when, yeah. when they actually meet i feel like you know, I feel like even in that situation, um, I might say, you know, um, just just to let you know, this profile picture is a little older than than uh, you know, it's, it's taken a few years ago, but I really like it. Um, here, here's you know, um, since we're since we're meeting up, I, I I just wanted you to know that you know this this is what I look like now, and maybe send them send them a current picture, maybe a nice one. You know, not when you just you know um, popped off on your webcam. Uh, you know, where you look like a serial. Killer. Where you look like a serial killer, but um, but yeah, if if your if your only good photos are from year from from years ago, where you look different, maybe take some nicer photos. Like maybe even hire somebody if you know if you if you want to put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the relationship status is different than was initially advertised. Oh yeah. Um there can be people who say that they're in open relationships and it turns out they're really not. Um or that, you know, there's just like different sort of you know rules or expectations around their relationship and and it might not be until like a few dates in where you actually learn that this situation is different and you just might not want to, you know, be involved anymore considering um, the different circumstances that are in play. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a tough one because you might already have gotten some emotional investment and which, you know, I think is what they're relying on. Right. When, when that, um, honesty kind of rolls out in stages, it's not really being honest. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know that I've, you know, heard particularly cis men express like the difficulty in, meeting people on dating sites if they're not sort of finding sites like hashtag open where like everybody is open um that when they you know put the polyamory or the open relationship up front um you know single people don't want to date them um and so like i understand that sometimes people are kind of hesitant to express some things like that initially um again until the other person's gotten to know them but Again, is that like starting things out with a bit of deception just seems like it's it's just setting everything up to well, not really work. It's it's a, it's even a bit worse than that, right? It's manipulative where you know that something is going to affect the outcome. Yeah. So you delay it until someone is invested enough that they're that they're going to to maybe consider overlooking that thing. But, you know, um the reality is that uh, when you're in an open relationship, your dating pool is smaller. Yeah. Even people who, uh, um, even people who are uh, open to to dating people who are in open relationships, but are generally monogamous, you know, th- they they have the right to know mm-hmm. that you know um, that they're ne- that they're never or extremely unlikely to get a monogamous relationship out of you. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah, I I I think um I think you you just have to face the fact that some of the people that you think are sexy are not going to want to go out with you because what? of your relationship status. <laughs> but they owe me. <laughs> I mean, 
So um, sometimes, you know, uh, the date goes well, uh, but things just kind of fizzle. Yeah. And, you know, and that can happen a lot, you know, and you just, you just never really managed to, to schedule time together. Um, you know, I, I went on a, I went on a couple dates with somebody and, you know, and then, um, you know, and then she was, she was sick. Um, and, you know, and, and it just, it just kind of never got off the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it can be really disappointing, especially like if, if you felt a connection. Yes. Um, and, you know, things just kind of, kind of fade. Um, but, you know, just busy lives can, is, are often the reason yes. for this sort of thing. It's just like finding times that match up that you can actually get together is, you know, I think the hardest thing in, in dating period and especially in non-monogamous dating. Um, so that can be a real, a real thing that happens. Yeah. I, it's so weird. I, I, I feel like people are just a lot more scheduled than they were like 15, yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe, maybe that's just part of digital life. We can just find so much more to occupy days of the week. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah, scheduling, scheduling's really tough. And, um, you know, and it's, and it's like something that you, that felt like there was a big spark there, you know, over time, the, the, the messaging peters out, um, or, you know, or, or sometimes just suddenly stops. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and people can get really, um, can get really hurt and offended at being ghosted, but, um, you know, on, on the other hand, they are avoiding all that awkward stuff of like, you know, navigating exactly what happened. Like I, and sometimes being ghosted is a bit of a gift. It feels like a blow, but you know, at least, at least you don't actually have to talk about what, you know, what, what went on. <laughs> Like, don't you, don't you agree? Right. Like, uh, I'd rather just get a simple, like, you know, Hey, I'm not feeling it. See ya. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I would, yeah, it, it's awkward. And, you know, I don't, I don't need to have a big, like debrief about, <laughs> you know, all of the things that I did wrong that made them not <laughs> like me anymore. Um, but here is a list of your faults. <laughs> it's um, like, I already have a longer list. Yeah. But you know what, with, with that fizzle out, like, Generally, it's like it's not that anything in particular went wrong. No. It just nothing went right enough. Yeah, or you have different communication styles. Like, oh yeah, like, you know, frequency of texting. Like, I I love texting with people, and some people don't like that. Um, some people want to talk on the phone. Like, there's monsters in the world who want to talk on the phone. There, <laughs> um, you know, some people want to want to you know have like web chat via Skype or or whatever. And and just like if you if you have incompatible types of communication, um, you know, it's it's probably just going to fizzle. Yeah, you know, and and in non-monogamy, there are often things related to uh, related to other partners that are just out of control, like health yeah. issues or relationship drama that is, you know, is just going to suck, uh, the opportunities away and, you know, and, um, you know, and that's just unfortunate and maybe, you know, in, in some situations, maybe you could, you could pick it up later, but often like that's just, it's just going to, it's just going to divert the energy in that time where, you know, things yeah. kind of need to be fueled. Right. So yeah. it's, it's going to run out of oxygen and, and, uh, flame out. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's a thing that happens. Uh, so, you know, how does one prevent disappointment? Well, you can't. Oh, 
Um, right. Yeah, I, I end. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think you can, but I think that there are ways to kind of manage your relationship with disappointment. Yeah. Uh, we already talked about how, like, a, a lot of the things that that um, that might feel personal are just circumstance, right? Yes. Think, sometimes things fizzle, and you know, and and those of us uh, suffering from anxiety can, you know, can can be prone to to you know really hyper analyzing stuff. Yeah, and it's like, you know, what did I say if I said this? And then you know, and um, you know, th- the reality is that if if what you had was so fragile. That, you know, yes. that one text that you sent brought it all down, then it was kind of fucked from the beginning. Yeah, right. Sure. So um, I don't I don't know if this will provide, you know, solace or comfort to anybody out there. But but yeah, like um, maybe you did say the wrong thing. And if you did, it's good to know now yeah. that it was that it was that fragile. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we we often like have these these ideas that like everything was good except that that yes. one thing I said but yeah as you said like it means that it was all so fragile and in fact was not as good as we thought it was no it, it really wasn't and you know and and um nre and infatuation yeah. uh it is going to create a roller coaster right where mm-hmm. you feel amazing it feels invincible and then oh my god if it's it's doomed you know yeah. this person is going to hate me and um you know and and so just uh uh, often, I think often recognizing what phase you are in yeah. can help you deal with the types of disappointments and dramas that mm. are going to come up, right? If yeah. it's if it's like, you know, oh, we don't even, you know, it, you're like, oh, man, this is fizzling out and we never got a chance to, you know, figure out if our, our spit tasted good together. <laughs> it's like, okay, you know, the amount of loss you've experienced is actually quite minimal. Right. You have, you know, you have no idea whether um, this uh, if if you had managed to schedule, who knows, it it might have been awful anyway. Right. So, um, you know, so try to calibrate your disappointment proportionally to, you know, to the the sort of investment and stage that you're in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and meeting before you um, like get involved in a sexy situation. Oh boy. Yeah. You know, and especially meeting early, if you've been, you know, chatting online and stuff like that, like trying to meet within the first couple of weeks. Yes. um, So that you're not like investing a bunch of time in these conversations and then discovering like, wow, we are completely incompatible. I think that's Um, a really good idea. And, you know, double checking mood and stuff, you know, if you've got regular partners, like, and you're going into situations, um, like, assessing how everybody's doing, like, before you sort of get into something more intense can be really helpful. And, you know, sometimes people can move move on past, you know, whatever's going on for them. But I've definitely learned from my experiences that if you have any doubts, you just stop. Yeah. Because, yeah, I've just, I've... I've had too many experiences myself where we've tried to get over it because the person's been like, no, I think I'm all right. And that has not been the case. (laughs) Um, They just really, really want it to be okay, but they weren't. And, and just learning to be like, you know, yeah, actually like this, this thing on, you know, on the streaming service is amazing. Let's just, let's just come (laughs) and do this thing um, instead. And, um, and just go on so that you're not like it, it becomes less intense to unravel because once everybody's naked and 
there's crying. It's it's way <laughs> more intense than when everyone's still got their clothes on on the couch and there's crying. <laughs> and knowing for yourself, like if you know, you know, if you're not feeling a connection, like you're probably not going to start feeling it. You know, there are times where, like, if you've got a responsive sex drive, that you might. Like, if, if you know that about yourself and it's like, oh, I'm not really sure, you know, but like, hey, let's give it a try and I'll probably like my my libido will probably kick in. You know, that's a different cir- circumstance. But if you are normal. Yeah, if, if you if you have that kind of libido, you probably um, have or are at least in the process of learning, you know, how that process works for yeah. you. Right. So it's like, OK, I know I'm attracted to this person. I know that, you know, um, once uh, once I get over the jitters that, you know, my libido will kick in. Um, but, you know, but but uh, but otherwise, if you're if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Yeah. And for like swinger type situations, you know, where you've got like a foursome and stuff like that and and you're just not attracted to the person that you're expecting to be, you know, you're paired off with. with yeah. Um, like just yeah you don't take it for the team like it's it's just it's going to be you know an unpleasant experience so what are some reasons you might just like shut things down in a disappointing date uh well we we already talked about um you know lack lack of attraction as Mm -hmm. being one of the big things where you know the the kind of um sexual response that you were expecting wasn't there or if you know if it's a date in public where you know, you, um, you realize that there's, that there's no attraction there or there's some kind of deal breaker. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, I, I cannot, um, abide this level of casual racism or, you know, or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. You know, they're anti-queer or transphobic or something. And you just are like, okay, yeah, I do not want to like spend any more time with you. Yeah. Or, you know, or sometimes uh, it might be you you don't want to do edudating, right? Like oh, it's yeah. it's not that the person um, is is actually a bigot, but that they're they they kind of have some outdated problematic um, mentalities. And you, you know, you know that they might be open to like talking about that, yeah. but you just you don't want to actually do the work. Yeah, it's it's very tiring. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, you know, and shutting things down is is different, you know, in, in a couple versus a group situation. Right. Like, if you're just out on a date with one person um, versus, like, you know, with a big group, it, you know, either circumstance can be really hard for very different reasons. And it's, we often don't want to be the killjoy. Right. Especially in a group thing. And especially if people have been looking forward to it, like, and you're just like, I want this <laughs> to stop. Um, you know, it can be really difficult um, to, to speak up in those circumstances. Um, and it can, it can also, you know, be both easier and harder with people, you know, well, uh-huh. um, cause it can be easier in that you, you trust them to, to care about you and, and want your needs, but also, um, you can be much more invested in in their experience and trying to you know keep it going so that they can have a good experience. <laughs> um, but I think really accepting in our brains that in fact they're not having a good experience if you're not having a good experience. Exactly. Um, and being able to accept that um, rather than like oh no they'll be fine it's just like I'll be miserable I can deal with that you know, let's have them be happy. Well, and, and you, you know, you can so easily find yourself in that situation where you're insisting that you're fine, 
And so you put them in the awkward position of either having to insist that they know you're not fine yes. or pretend that they, they believe you, yeah. you know, and either one of those situations is going to be really uncomfortable for everybody. Yeah. There's that emotional discord that's going on yeah. and everyone's it's like, Oh, we have to pretend that reality is slightly different than it is. Yeah. And then your, your sexy date becomes like a dinner party in the <laughs> 1900s or something, you know, um, where everyone, you know, is pretending that they don't hate, you know, whoever, <laughs> and it's just like it's yeah it just becomes really awkward and stilted so but yeah like it's it's still not easy but it's really important that we figure out how to you know to express ourselves and and uh, be willing to to be the one that that needs to put put the brakes on and 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 sometimes even just putting the brakes on is enough to to shift the dynamic yeah um, it's not, it's not that it all has to be completely shut down, but just being able to be, you know, slowing down or shifting the di- dynamic can then, you know, have things go better. Um, it's not always the case, but occasionally that can be. Yeah. Occasionally, yeah. Like that, that you can, you can sort of take care of, of, you know, whatever the, the obstacle was and, and move on. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thing that went, the other mindset is, is we have this scarcity mindset. Like, we're in this circumstance yeah. and it will never happen again. Yeah, what if I never get a chance to have a threesome again? Yeah. You know, what if, uh, what if I never meet somebody whose abs are this nice? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What if I can't find anybody who, you know, I, I like talking to about, you know, dildos. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't think of anything other than dildos that I like talking about. <laughs> But you, you probably will, because lots of people like dildos. Yeah, I mean the the the, the scarcity mindset is it's a big thing that can create um, you know a lot of of behavior that that harms ourselves. You yeah. know when we're when we're just you know anxious about um, you know about this being the only opportunity. Yeah, and especially early on in you know. In our non-monogamy, we did a lot more of this. Mm-hmm. You know, we got into play situations that that today there's no chance we'd get into. Um, and like our early dating things and and stuff. Um, like I sort of think back and I'm like, wow, you're like I would not date this person that I went out with like a bunch of times <laughs> um, now. And yeah, it's it's just it's interesting as we go along. But a lot of that was that scarcity of like, oh, you know, hey, this person likes me and, you know, this situation is happening. So I'm going to go for it. And um, yeah, shifting our heads out of that because it often leads to to circumstances that we're that we're not, you know, super excited about. And um, yeah, just learning from it. And, and there will be other opportunities. So what happens after disappointment? How do we, you know, how do we kind of uh, deal with the, the feelings and, and sort of, you know, lingering aftermath? You know, it can be difficult because, like, if it's a person you don't know well or whatever, you're probably just not going to talk again. Um, <laughs> and you just kind of need to work your way through it. But if it's, again, like we've talked about group sex situations, you know, I think probably because this has been the, the time that this has come up the most for us personally. So that's sort of why we keep going back to it. Um, you know, talking about it and, and talking about like your feelings and your experience rather than like putting the blame on them. Um, it's like, you did this thing wrong versus like, you know, when you did X, I felt Y kind of thing. Um, because you know, it's like you were ignoring me. 
you know, or you didn't want me to be there. Like, you know, a lot of the time, like, that's the emotional feeling that we were having, but... That's not the actual reality. yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, when you gave them so much attention, I felt like I was being ignored. You know, can be a much better way to have those kinds of discussions and and hopefully get a better outcome rather than the attack hurt kind of thing. Um, and even like I felt ignored and I, you know, I felt like you didn't want me there, like is very different than like accusing the other person. <laughs> you of, ignored me of those things. So, you know, and, and try to see if there's something that you can do for the next time that will make you, you know, not have those experiences. Like, are there, are there cues that we can have like next time? you know, I can, I can tap you a certain way and you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to pay more attention to you or, or whatever kind of situation can come up there. Uh, when you're in the situation where you can't talk with the person who disappointed you, you know, talk with, with other people, talk with other partners, talk with friends about sort of, you know, the situation, um, you know, just get a chance to process it and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and maybe try to do it in a neutral way rather than a, you know, um, you know, fuck that asshole, um, uh, kind of way. Um, you know, because, uh, like it'll be a, a lot more productive if you can both sort of, you know, uh, both you and the person you're talking with can, can look at it, a, you know, a little more objectively yeah. and, you know, and, and kind of get a sense of it. But, you know, but I think that that can be, I think that can be a lot more healing than just like, you know, trying to get over it and just yeah. keeping it to yourself. And, you know, and, and often we don't want to burden our partners about, yeah. you know, our feelings uh, with unrelated partners. So, um, you know, yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of value to, uh, to processing that. Um, maybe start a blog or a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Write books. Write books, yeah, yeah. To, to to deal with those feelings. <laughs> Speaking of which, didn't you recently write a novel? I did. <laughs> <laughs> and my new novel, Waking Up Polyamorous, is now available on pa- paperback and ebook. Get it today from your favorite online book retailer. My sexy memoir, Yelling in Pasties, The Wet Coast Confessions of an Anxious Slut, which doesn't deal with any of the stuff that we were talking about in this episode, mm-hmm. is available in audiobook, ebook, and paperback. Go to Amazon.com or visit onthewetcoast.com for links to other marketplaces. Thanks everyone for joining us. Be like other awesome listeners by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast platforms. Just a few sentences makes a huge difference in our visibility. You can help us have more adventures to tell you about by contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash on the wet coast huge thanks to our patreon supporters who help make the show possible follow us on twitter at wet coast cat cat with a k at serious flick at on the wet coast email questions or comments to contact at on the wet coast.com go to on the wet coast.com for cat's blog toy reviews and more check out other great sex positive podcasts on the swing set network at swingset.fm This is Dedeker, co-host of the Multiamory Podcast. We offer new ideas and advice for multiple forms of love. Everything from conscious monogamy to ethical polyamory and radical relationship anarchy. And you're listening to a Swingset Network podcast. Find us and much more at swingset.fm.
person. <laughs> So, okay, so we thought it might be okay to let the cats be in the room with us, and now that the cat is rubbing herself against the microphone, we've decided perhaps that's not ideal. Okay, well, I guess the kick the cat out break is coming sooner than expected. <laughs> we'll take a little break. Be right back. All right, kitties. Come on. Yeah, you're the bad one. Oh. Oh, oh, sweet. Jinx, run upstairs. Run, run, run. Run, 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 run. Okay, the end. <laughs> <laughs> it's our shortest episode to date. <laughs>